Welcome to the 2-Minute Medicine Podcast, summarizing the latest medical studies curated and written by practicing physicians. For our full suite of daily medical study summaries and updates written by practicing doctors, please visit our website at 2minutemedicine.com to start reading new daily content right now for free. On this podcast, twice a month, we cover the latest in healthcare news and research evidence. We are your hosts, Deepti and Andrew. On today's episode, we'll start off by discussing our articles of the week. In the second half of the episode, we will look at health issues that have arisen in popular media. So let's get started with our two articles of the week. Our first article of the week comes from JAMA and is entitled Associations of Cardiometabolic Multimorbidity with All-Cause and Coronary Heart Disease Mortality Among Black Adults in the Jackson Heart Study. Racial and ethnic groups experience inequities in life expectancy in the United States, with black populations noted to have significantly lower life expectancy at birth compared to other groups. Diabetes, stroke, and coronary heart disease are three of the main contributors to differences in life expectancy between black and white populations. The association of these three conditions, independently and collectively, with mortality has been studied extensively in white populations. However, despite the greater prevalence of these comorbidities in the black population, there is a lack of data that has explored and quantified the risk in this cohort. Therefore, the prospective cohort Jackson Heart Study, or JHS, assessed independent and multiplicative associations of diabetes, stroke, and CHD with all-cause and CHD mortality among black adults. Patients were enrolled in the study between 2000 and 2004 with follow-up for a medium of 15 years through May 31, 2018. Self-identified black adults between 21 and 94 years of age from the Jackson, Mississippi area were eligible for inclusion. In the adjusted model, all-cause mortality was significantly increased in patients with diabetes, stroke, and coronary heart disease. The risk was greatest among those with all three conditions, with a hazard ratio of 3.68 and a 95% confidence interval between 1.96 and 6.93. Diabetes or stroke alone were not associated with an increased risk of CHD mortality. However, CHD alone was associated with a significantly increased risk of CHD mortality. Additionally, the association of all three cardiometabolic multimorbidities had the highest risk of CHD mortality, with a hazard ratio of 13.52 and a 95% confidence interval between 3.38 and 54.12. Overall, the JHS demonstrated that black patients with cardiometabolic conditions have a significantly increased risk of mortality, with the greatest risk among those with all three risk factors. The study was strengthened by its large black cohort, with greater than 15 years of follow-up, However, one limitation of the study is that it was confined to one geographic area and may not be generalizable to all black adults in the United States. Our second article of the week comes from JAMA Neurology and is entitled Association of Hearing Aids and Cochlear Implants with Cognitive Decline and Dementia, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. Hearing loss is a common and untreated condition, particularly among elderly patients. It is a known risk factor for developing dementia, along with other conditions affecting perception. Due to technologies such as cochlear implants and other hearing restorative devices, hearing loss is modifiable. This study sought to determine the effect of treating hearing loss on patients' risk of developing dementia and having cognitive changes. 
The original systematic search yielded 3,243 studies, of which 31 eligible studies were included in the qualitative analysis and 18 in the quantitative meta-analysis. Eight studies were included in the meta-analysis of longitudinal 2 to 25 year assessments of hearing loss and cognitive functions. All studies favored treatment of hearing loss with an overall pooled estimate of a 19% reduction in hazard. The use of restorative hearing devices was protective from cognitive decline, a new diagnosis of dementia, and a decline in cognitive function from mild impairment to dementia. Finally, analyses of studies assessing absolute cognitive test scores demonstrated a 3% increase in cognitive function from baseline in hearing-impaired patients after they started using a restorative hearing device. The present study by Yao et al. demonstrated a significant advantage to treating hearing loss using restorative devices with regards to protecting from cognitive decline. This work is important in quantifying the benefit of restorative hearing devices and may influence funding for this technology for patients with hearing loss. The study design and a considerable number of included studies are a major advantage with regards to the strength of the reported results. A primary limitation of this study is the inability to compare the severity of hearing loss among included patients. As such, it's impossible to know whether the effect of hearing restorative devices differs based on baseline function. Future studies should seek to address the feasibility of implementing hearing aid solutions at a systems level. Now for the scan, the pop culture focused part of our podcast, bringing a medical eye to popular events. We'll start off by talking about overprescribed and understocked. The story. Ever since a team of Oxford scientists isolated penicillin back in the 1940s, antibiotics have been a staple of the medical system. The so-called wonder drugs revolutionized the treatment of bacterial infections, curing illnesses that once would have led to serious suffering and death. But even in modern society, access to antibacterial medications isn't guaranteed. In the midst of the current pediatric emergency crisis, due to the triple threat of RSV, flu, and COVID-19, several important medications are running low. Unfortunately, many common antibiotics are now being added to the list of depleted medications. What are antibiotics? Antibiotics are medications that are used to treat bacterial infections. These medications work in one of two ways. They either kill the infecting bacteria, meaning they're bactericidal, or they prevent the bacteria from growing and reproducing, meaning they're bacteriostatic. Amoxicillin is one of the most commonly prescribed antibiotics and is also one of the latest medications to fall into short supply. Amoxicillin is used to treat a wide variety of bacterial infections, including pneumonia, ear infections, urinary tract infections, and more. Although antibiotics play an important role in our fight against infections, they still come with risks. One study found that antibiotics were the culprit of nearly 14% of all ED visits regarding adverse drug events and the most common cause of ED visits related to adverse drug events in adults over 50 years old. Over three quarters of these visits were due to allergic reactions. Some symptoms of antibiotic allergy can include red and or swollen skin, vision problems, itching, and symptoms of anaphylaxis such as wheezing and trouble breathing. How common are allergic reactions? 
Although adverse drug reactions associated with antibiotics account for a significant number of ED visits, there are still misconceptions surrounding antibiotic allergies. For example, amoxicillin falls into the class of penicillin antibiotics, which are well known for their high prevalence of allergies. In fact, approximately 10% of Americans report having an adverse drug reaction to penicillin antibiotics. Characteristics of a true allergy include reactions that occur within an hour of dose administration, hives, angioedema, and anaphylaxis. Even those who have a true allergy tend to outgrow their intolerance, with 80% of patients losing their sensitivity within 10 years. The incorrect labeling of penicillin allergies can result in the need to use different and sometimes broad-spectrum antibiotics, which can have important implications on antibiotic resistance. What is antibiotic resistance? Antibiotic resistance occurs when bacteria develop ways to avoid the effects of antibacterial drugs. This poses a major threat to human health because as bacteria become resistant to the common medications we use, we could be left defenseless against certain pathogens. Resistance develops when bacteria are exposed to antibiotics, but not at a high enough dose to kill them. This gives the bacteria the opportunity to undergo changes to resist the drug in future encounters. Overprescribing antibiotics, such as in viral infections when the medications are not warranted, can contribute to antibiotic resistance. In fact, some research suggests that a third of antibiotic prescriptions in the United States are unnecessary. Although there is significant fear of antibiotic resistance, you can do your part in supporting the cause by always taking your antibiotics as prescribed, never skipping doses, and never taking someone else's antibiotic prescription. Hopefully, the current shortage will not only bring awareness to the importance of these medications, but also highlight how we can best do our part to prevent increases in antibiotic resistance. Virtual medicine and online technologies have helped the healthcare system adapt to changes imposed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Technologies like MyChart, which allows patients to view their medical records online and message their healthcare providers have skyrocketed. However, these accessible technologies are suddenly becoming less so as the Cleveland Clinic recently announced that they will be billing insurance companies for messages on MyChart that require clinical expertise to answer. Messages that will now be incurring a fee include those related to changes in medications, new symptoms, updates on long-term conditions, requests for completion of medical forms, and more. Although many of the MyChart messages will be covered by insurance companies, for those without insurance, sending a message to your physician through the secure platform could cost up to $50. The change brings up questions about healthcare accessibility in a country where approximately 10% of people do not have healthcare insurance and where healthcare inequities are significant. However, others are highlighting the stress that physicians experience now that they're in constant contact with their patients. Research shows that since the pandemic, messages on electronic health record platforms have increased over 150%, and each message is associated with over two minutes spent on electronic health record systems. There is concern that this added workload may contribute to physician burnout, which can also have a negative impact on performance. As such, many feel that new billing models are necessary to keep up with the post-pandemic demands. Only time will tell the impact of the billing change and whether other medical centers will also start billing for electronic messages. Each year, Spotify releases their annual Spotify Wrapped, a personalized review of each customer's listening experiences. 
Although we all love to see how high we rank among listeners for our favorite artists, you might also be concerned with just how much time you spent with your headphones on this year. Research has shown that repeated exposure to loud music, such as blasting your favorite song for the hundredth time, can result in noise-induced hearing loss. In fact, one study found that nearly a quarter of people ages 12 to 34 are at risk of hearing loss due to listening habits, and over 15% of youth aged 12 to 19 already have features suggestive of noise-induced hearing loss. You might be wondering, am I at risk of hearing loss? Repeated exposure to loud sounds can result in damage to the hair cells in the inner ear, the cells responsible for detecting sound and transmitting it to the brain. Exposure to sounds above 85 decibels can cause this damage and lead to noise-induced hearing loss over time. To put that in perspective, normal conversation is around 60 decibels. Meanwhile, mobile phones can reach a maximum of around 110 decibels. Some strategies for reducing the risk of hearing damage include noise-canceling headphones, trading in the earbuds for over-the-ear headphones, and setting volume limits on your listening device. While the obvious symptom of noise-induced hearing loss is difficulty hearing, ringing in your ears or tinnitus and difficulty in school are also common outcomes. Although hearing aids are the most common treatment for hearing loss, new medications are being tested to treat the condition. A drug called Epsilon demonstrated the capability in phase two trials to reduce the severity of temporary noise-induced hearing loss. Even with advances in treatment, the rise in noise-induced hearing loss is of great concern. It is expected that the cost of treating hearing loss will increase fivefold by 2030. Mauna Loa, the world's largest active volcano, is erupting for the first time in nearly 40 years. The volcano, located in Hawaii, currently poses no immediate danger to humans. However, the local residents have been warned to stay indoors or wear masks due to air pollution that can pose a threat to human health. Pele's hair, The name for very thin glass fibers produced by erupting volcanoes can cause irritation and inflammation when inhaled, while volcanic ash and smog, VOG, also poorly impact air quality. Of great concern is the high concentration of sulfur dioxide contained in VOG, which can cause irritation to skin and mucous membranes such as the nose, mouth, and lungs. When inhaled, sulfur dioxide can cause airway restriction, which is even more pronounced for people with restrictive airway diseases such as asthma. Prolonged exposure to these pollutants in poorly ventilated areas can lead to suffocation. Not only do these irritants lead to concern for lung health, but they may also have impacts on cardiometabolic health. Short-term exposure to fine particulate matter found in VOG can lead to heart attacks, strokes, heart failure, and increased blood pressure. Therefore, the current volcanic eruption may have widespread consequences not only on lung health, but also on the cardiovascular system. Although the active volcano poses no immediate risk to humans right now, residents remain on high alert and are prepared to evacuate if necessary. In the meantime, staying indoors and masking remains a priority to avoid irritants and their devastating consequences. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Two Minute Medicine Podcast. New episodes come out every other week and all of our content has been curated and written by practicing physicians. We'd like to acknowledge the following members of our team for their contributions to this week's episode. Ashley Jackson, Jake Engel, Gershran Sohi, Yu Chen Dai, and Ricky Chisman. 
please head to our website at 2minutemedicine.com to learn more and to access all of our content, including medical study summaries, visual abstracts, excerpts from our classics book series, which is available on Amazon, and The Scan, which is our medical newsletter. Thank you so much once again. To make sure you don't miss any of our content, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at 2minmed.